Good Monday morning, and welcome to another episode of the podcast, Insanity, A Peace of Mind. I am your host, Stephanie. This is episode 121, and I am going to do an episode on boundaries using a particular tool. It's a communication tool. About a year and a half or a year and a half or so ago, I and my family had the opportunity to hear my son, who was starting a new job, present this tool as a practice in preparation for going to work with a new for him, new therapy group. And he needed to practice this because it's kind of an interactive tool and they use it in their intensives, which are heavy therapy experiences where you spend several hours a day for several days in a row in therapy. And it is called the three circles communication tool. And the experience of watching him do it was really interesting. We learned a lot. There were some insights. There were people who thought it was really great. There were people who were pretty dismissive of it. But overall, it gave him the opportunity to practice. And I learned something really interesting and beautiful that I have been able to use in my work with my clients. This three circles communication tool is something that is available on a blog. It is posted by Emma Reedy, and she is the one who my son was working with when he was practicing this. And I believe it is created by her and it is available on a website called evoketherapy.com, which I will link in the show notes because it is a beautiful thing to see. And after you hear me go through this for the next few weeks, you're going to want to see it and you're going to want a copy of it because it is that valuable. I'm not sure how this is going to translate through blog, but I will do my best. So I'm going to start by telling you that the three circles exercise is a communication tool that can you be used in any relationship, parent, child, coworkers, friends, spouses, any relationship at all. This is a tool that will give you a framework to manage conflict. It helps in clarifying boundaries, in working through conflict in relationships, whether it's major or minor. And it also has the added benefit of helping to identify your codependent or your people-pleasing tendencies. Because once you learn about the three circles, you will realize how and where and when and why you are either letting people into yours or getting into other people's. The illustration that you will find on the blog shows three different circles, and they are identified as my circle, the relationship circle, and others circle. 
and they do not overlap in any way, shape, or form. There are clear boundaries and clear divisions. And each circle has some responsibilities. So you are responsible for something in each of these circles or towards each of these circles. That is the setup and attribution. And before I get into actually what the responsibilities are and how to identify those, I want to talk about conflict and confrontation, which I have done before, but I'm going to reiterate a few things. Conflict cannot be avoided. It is present in some form or another in all of our relationships. I am personally going to go so far as to say I do not believe conflict should be avoided or gotten rid of. I believe there is a very, very important purpose behind conflict, and that is to work on deepening and creating meaningful relationships. A question that I ask my clients, if it's appropriate, and other people just for fun to see what they'll answer, is what are the qualities or characteristics of a relationship without conflict or confrontation? These are some of the answers I get. Peaceful, loving, shallow, safe, calm, meaningless, insubstantial, happy. And after I hear all of those answers, which I nod affirmatively, because all of those true, all of those things could be true, I then typically say, for reinforcement, shallow, superficial, meaningless, insubstantial, fake, easy, words like that. Because in the absence of conflict, which I view in its highest form as the means by which we draw closer to one another, we don't have that opportunity. If conflict is absent or avoided or ignored or swept under the rug or dismissed, then in relationships, we don't have an opportunity to grow together or deepen our understanding of one another or figure out how to work out disagreements. We just avoid. And the avoidance of conflict now does not mean you have buried it or lost it or somehow submerged it into the dark abyss later. It's coming back. It's going to rear its ugly head at some point. Hidden and avoided conflict is just resentment, shame, guilt, buried, ignored. And I don't believe that is a meaningful way to live. So that's my take on conflict and confrontation. 
The next question is, what are the qualities or characteristics of a relationship with conflict and confrontation? Okay, should be easy. Deep, scary, meaningful, vulnerable. Um, happy, fulfilling, scary, painful. Because I don't want to leave anybody with the impression that I think conflict is easy. Conflict is not easy. It is very, very difficult. It is painfully difficult. And it is difficult on a scale depending on who the conflict is with. The next question is, is it okay to avoid conflict in certain relationships? You can answer that for yourself. I have heard people say yes most of the time. It is okay to avoid conflict in certain relationships. The next one, and I talked about this a while ago, probably in the series on is it uh, abuse or can the relationships be saved? Is this normal conflict or is this abuse? In In that series of podcasts, I think there were two or three, I asked and dealt with the issue of understanding your conflict or confrontation tolerance level. So the next question I ask people is, do you know what your tolerance level is? And if they say yes, I ask them if they know why. If they say no, I ask them if they're interested in knowing what that is. You can be in a relationship with someone who thinks normal arguing is just conversation and the partner thinks it's cause for divorce. That's kind of an extreme, but that is how extreme we can be. So what is your conflict or confrontation tolerance level? And then finally, the last question is, would you like to make it easier? Would you like to make conflict easier? That's the question that I have written down. And as I think about it, I'm not sure easier is even the right word. Would you like to make working through conflict more meaningful with the potential of deepening the relationship and increasing connection and safety? That's the question. Not is it do you want to make it easier? Because I don't think it's going to be easier. And with that, I'm going to start to tell you what your circles are all about. Now let's talk about the circles. The first circle is my circle. I'm going to use the proper pronouns so that we're not confusing. The first circle is my circle. I have two responsibilities in my circle. This is how I tend to this space. And you can imagine three circles on the ground. And this will help visualize the experience of this metaphor. Okay. In the first circle, my circle, my first responsibility is to know my truth. This is a pretty big responsibility. This means you understand what your feelings are, what kind of thoughts you have, what your values are, how your values are motivated and moved by your beliefs, what your preferences for things are, what your desires are, what you are afraid of, what memories you have. All of these types of things are truths. For example, I have a preference in that I don't like chili cheese Fritos. 
That is a truth about me. Another truth about me is that I value spending time with my family as a priority. I value spending time with my family as a priority. That is another truth for me. Another truth would be, I believe there is a God. And without identifying how I believe that, that is a significant truth for me. I don't like chili cheese Fritos. I prioritize time with my family. I believe that's important. And I believe there is a God. So from a very simple preference to a value, to a significant belief system, I have articulated three truths about me. Now, I'm going to take you back to values, because before you go jumping in trying to figure out what your truths are, I suggest that you go back to some type of values clarification, where you find a list of values, and you go through them, and you itemize the top 10. Do you value friendship, freedom, liberty, family, financial security, independence, God, humor, spirituality? Do you value adventure, solitude, community? Do you value autonomy? Do you value control? Do you value self-care? These are important things to understand because they will help you build your truths. If you believe you have a value that you no longer hold, you are going to be confused about what your truths are when you are in relationships with other people. After you have identified some of your top values, you can further pare this list down by dealing only with the things that you have acted upon in the last 24 hours. If that is a paring down that you are interested in, that is an easy way to really fine tune what your values are. So if I value prioritizing time with my family in the last 24 hours, what have I done to make that a truth? If I have a value or a belief that there is a God, what have I done in the last 24 hours to act in accordance with that particular truth? And I suggest you take some serious time going through values. And if you haven't gone through values since the last time I did a values podcast, do it again. It's time. Because our values can change. They can shift. They can shift with seasons. And I don't mean summer, spring, fall, or winter. I mean parenting toddlers, parenting tweens, parenting adult children. They can change based on a job shift. So don't think that your values are stagnant or permanent. They will change. So if you want to know what your truth is or what your truths are, get real about what your values are. The next thing you have 
a responsibility for in your circle is to keep other people out. This is a big one. Keep people out of your circle. Now, this is really interesting because if someone is trying to get in your circle, it's going to look different depending on the situation, depending on the person, depending on the time of life you're in, what the relationship is. So the way people get into each other's circles is quite varied. Second job in your circle is to keep people out. If someone is trying to get into your circle, it is going to be an effort to change your truth. Using the three examples I gave, first one being I don't like chili cheese Fritos, somebody getting into my circle would be trying to change my mind about liking chili cheese Fritos. Hey, if you just open up the bag and put a couple of spoons full of chili in there and eat it that way, I know you'll like chili cheese Fritos. Oh, but you've never had chili cheese Fritos with jalapeno on them. I'm sure you'll like them that way. And this is somebody trying to change my truth. Now, if for one brief minute, you're sitting here thinking that this is persuasion and maybe they could make me like chili cheese Fritos, there's a little bit of truth to that. But the fact of the matter is, is it would be so much better if someone just said to me, hey, do you mind if I share a new way? I found that eating chili cheese Fritos really makes them delicious. And I could say yes or no. The fact of the matter is, is the effort that it takes to push back on someone who is trying to change your truth is just as emotionally exhausting with chili cheese Fritos or whether you prefer cats over dogs or whether you like mushrooms or not is as emotionally exhausting as pushing back on someone else, someone who's trying to tell you that you shouldn't feel what you feel or believe what you believe. So there might be room for persuasion in there, but I'm not going to get that nitty gritty right now. I'm just going to tell you what it's going to feel like when someone's trying to get into your circle. Second truth of mine is that I prioritize and value time over my family. And someone getting in my circle would be someone telling me that they feel bad that I choose my family over them. Maybe a friend tells me that. And a friend says, you know, I feel really bad that we never have any time together because you're always choosing your family. Well, that's an interesting conundrum because I'm going to feel a little bit bad that my friend told me that, but my friend is getting in my circle by making me have that feeling, making me have that feeling. I'm going to stop that right there because nobody's making you have any feelings at all. But my friend putting that back on me in that way is creating a bit of shame and a little bit of guilt in me with that comparison. And that's getting in my circle. Again, there is a way to have that conversation. And it's not that. Uh, another person who could be getting into my circle would be a boss who tells me that I have to do a weekend project in order to 
get a positive work performance review. And I have something specific planned with my family because I prioritize family time. It is a value that I have. And my boss is in my circle by asking me to do this. I have choice and we'll talk about how to make those choices. Another person getting in my circle would be someone who is trying to convince me that God does not exist or that there is no divinity or that there is no reason to believe in a higher power. Uh, Someone getting in my circle would be someone telling me that I'm stupid for believing in God. That's how someone is getting in my circle on those particular issues. All right. Anytime someone... Those are specific to those issues, but I'm going to be a little bit more general right now. Anybody who tries to convince you to believe something else is getting in your circle. Anytime someone tells you that you are wrong, they are getting in your circle. Anytime someone tells you that you shouldn't feel a certain way or tries to rescue from a ne- rescue you from a negative experience that you're having, they're getting in your circle. Anytime your mom tells you that you shouldn't feel bad about those friends who are leaving you out because they're bad friends, she's getting in your circle. And it goes on and on and on like that. So what does it look like to keep someone out of your circle? It could be as simple as saying, I really don't like chili cheese Fritos in any way, and I don't want you to try and convince me otherwise. If I want to try them some other way, I will take that upon myself. So I am just stating a principle. I am stating a very simple fact about not wanting to have this discussion again. That's one way I can do it. Another way I can do it is to maybe change the topic. If I have someone challenging my value of prioritizing my family, I could just shift the topic to maybe if it's my friend who thinks that I don't spend enough time with them, maybe I could just right there on the spot, make a plan to do something with her. Then I don't have to defend my value. And I have solved a problem about making time for my friend who I also enjoy being with. I could do that. Another way I could keep someone out of my circle is to set a boundary. And a boundary could be something like, we're going to have to disagree, agree to disagree on this topic of God and a higher power because it doesn't feel like either one of us is going to change the other person's mind. So this conversation is off limits. I'm not comfortable engaging in this conversation. That is a verbal boundary around intellectual and spiritual issues that I don't want to talk about with this person. There are times in our lives when we might actually have to remove ourselves from the relationship. And sometimes this could be temporary and sometimes it can be permanent. And oftentimes it remains to be seen, but it is okay to remove yourself or extract yourself from a relationship where someone is constantly 
in your circle. There is nothing wrong with that. There is nothing unkind about that. There is nothing uncharitable or or anything about removing yourself from a relationship where someone does not respect your truths. And this does not have to be permanent. I live in a culture and grew up in a culture where we are taught this idea of being Christ-like, where we're taught that we should be self-sacrificing and long-suffering. And then there's the biblical stories of turning the other cheek and giving cloak and all of these really beautiful ideals of how to live and how to be in relationships with people. And I believe in these ideas. I think they are virtuous and lofty and wonderful. And it is also perfectly acceptable to protect yourself from experiences and people who do not have your best interest at heart and who are not responsive to your requests for boundaries and for space or to live your truths. Okay. And I want to make that distinction. I don't know that I'm going to convince anybody, but I don't think there's anything virtuous about allowing yourself to be taken advantage of in a long-term consistent way that feels shaming and guilt-ridden. And so this idea of having these boundaries where you may just choose not to engage with someone who's trying to change your truth, or you may choose to set an external boundary where you don't allow someone into your life or your home specifically for reasons of safety and security, or you have a more rigid boundary where you are required to leave the room or hang up the phone or not be in a relationship with someone until things can be worked out. I believe none of those things undermine the higher values of charity and turning the other cheek and not taking offense. And I believe I want to believe that this podcast is being heard and listened to by intelligent people who have the ability to discern for themselves when one thing is not the other, because two things can be true at the same time. You can still honor God's commands to love one another, bear one another's burdens, walk a mile in another person's shoe, turn the other cheek and have boundaries and take care of yourself and deal with conflict in a way that draws you closer together instead of tears you apart. That is my belief about that issue. Those are your two responsibilities in your circle. So I'm going to go back to the proper pronoun language. My circle 
my responsibilities include knowing my truth and keeping other people out. And we did a pretty decent dive into what that looks like, which means I'm going to make this lovely podcast last several weeks. And that is the first installment of the Three Circles Communication Tool by Emma Reedy, and I will link to it in the show notes. I'm going to leave you with a quote by Dr. Brad Reedy that helps really synthesize and conceptualize your job in the my circle space. If they respond to your boundary with anger, punishment, and shame, it is validation that the boundary, and maybe even more, was necessary for your liberation and growth. Think about that and have a great week. Mm -hmm.